This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Thursday afternoon, February 3rd, 2022. The weekend just around the corner. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. Let's pick up the discussion about the woes uh, involving the stock of Meta, the parent company of Facebook. Welcome in Nick Raish, the CEO of the Earnings Scout based in Cleveland. Nick, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, The ugly details were unveiled yesterday after the bell uh, when Facebook reported its Q4 uh, results. Uh, Give us some of the lowlights from from Meta, a.k.a. or formerly known as Facebook. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. We've never seen a company of this size, you know, just under a trillion dollars in market cap fall 25%. So the amount of decline in market value from Facebook or Meta platforms as it changes name is, you know, you know, 200 billion plus. It's it's quite remarkable. The, the lowlights are, you know, I think the management team in hindsight here probably saw this coming and wanted to change the name from the traditional business Facebook where we saw the increased competition from uh, platforms like TikTok taking away ad revenue and also the uh, Apple iOS uh, security, privacy, uh, also hurting revenues and, and wanting to get investors to focus on a new business that's going to embark in because maybe the traditional Facebook has peaked um, and trying to go to the meta universe because this is where that's going to take a lot of investments and there was a lot of decline in revenue and uh, cost uh, pressures that really hurt earnings here to cause this steep decline. So what we're seeing here could very well be just a painful beginning of a process of stepping back and pitching the company in an entirely different direction. Because as you said, uh, Facebook, the original Facebook, the traditional Facebook that we all know, uh, isn't as uh, big of a deal as it once was. And uh, younger consumers are going elsewhere. That's exactly right, and this is why Zuckerberg and the management team changed the name to Meta Platforms to get you to think of the future as it tries to reinvent itself, Uh, because the other business was facing a lot of competition and potentially in decline. So should you, as an investor, uh, hitch a ride to the Metaverse or uh, wait and see how it all shakes out? It could be a huge bet, but Meta, Meta itself is saying it could take years or decades before it could become profitable in that area, though. Uh, And that's a big bet, whether that's uh, the wave of the future or not going into the metaverse uh, or not. There's, you know, the the younger generation certainly can adapt that. So uh, you got to have, I think, uh, a long-term patience if you're going to try to invest in meta platforms at this point. You might be getting in the ground up or it might just not pan out at all. So 
it's it's quite a bet, uh, nevertheless, and not for the faint of heart. And as far as the original Facebook products are concerned, where are the weaknesses? Are people leaving the original Facebook and going to, like you said, some younger people are going to TikTok, they're doing all their uh, business on another uh, Facebook property, Instagram. Where are the Facebook users going? Well, with Instagram, at least uh, the old Facebook was able to purchase that to get the growth. So uh, if uh, Facebook at the time did not purchase Instagram, it would have lost users to begin with. So at least it gets the younger crowd in with the Instagram. But the snaps and the TikToks of the world are certainly taking away uh, market share. And the one thing I've always said is when grandma or grandpa goes on Facebook, it's no longer cool for the younger kids and they don't want anything to do with it. So in this business of social media, you've got to be ever adapting to that younger crowd as they try to adopt whatever services they're using. So um, that was one way Facebook did it was by purchasing Instagram. Uh, but now what it needs to do is focus on the metaverse. And I think that's where it needs to reinvent itself. Thanks for joining us. Nick Ray, CEO of the Earnings Scout based in Cleveland, the website earningscout.com. Coming up, an update on relations between the Bears and the city of Chicago. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Well, there doesn't appear to be much interest from city leaders to keep the Bears in Chicago. Let's get the latest now from Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it appears the city of Chicago is not uh, mounting a vigorous effort to keep the Bears at Soldier Field. Yeah, that, that's indeed the case, Rob. But we were all kind of wondering uh, after the Bears announced in September that they'd uh, purchased or had an agreement to purchase the old Arlington Racetrack uh, 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 facility for potentially for a new stadium up at Arlington Heights, what the city would do about it. Um, so uh, we waited three or four months and uh, then uh, under the Freedom of Information Act uh, requested all the written communications, emails, texts, whatever, between the city and the Bears to tell us what was going on. And it looks like, having looked at it, there ain't a lot going on. Uh, for instance, there's only been uh, one meeting involving uh, top top officials that shows up in the records. Uh, that does uh, not strike me as a uh, vigorous campaign to save the team. Does this reflect the fact that maybe city of Chicago officials have, have admitted to themselves privately that there's really not much they can do to keep them from leaving? Uh, that is a distinct possibility, Rob. <clears throat> the mayor has made it clear that uh, for a variety of both governmental and political reasons, she's not prepared to break the bank and uh, spend whatever it takes, you know, build a new stadium or uh, run up a lot, a lot of other bills. Uh, she's said repeatedly the taxpayers aren't going to pick it. <clears throat> uh, and, you know, given the fact that uh, there's a lot of money to be made in, in uh, Arlington Heights, uh, a lot of observers and no professional football, <clears throat> think the team would do much better financially there than it does in outmoded soldier field. It is hard to compete with that. And that may indeed be what's going on. They haven't officially said that, but, uh, but uh, the one meeting I referenced uh, that they did have, uh, all they talked about, according to the email setting it up, was to talk about improvements in the current lease, which expires in 2030, nothing about a new lease. And it's always strange to talk about this in, in, in the context of the fact that the Bears have been in Soldier Field for uh, 50 years and the stadium was renovated nearly 20 years ago to meet their specifications. But Soldier Field has always been a temporary facility, or at least it was a temporary facility when they moved in in 1971. They've always explored moving elsewhere, and this just seems like the culmination of a decades-long process. 
Yeah, I mean, if if the team goes, it's uh, it's not going to. You can't blame all, blame all the blame on, on Lori Lightfoot's doorstep, although she'll certainly carry her share. And this goes back to the decision to renovate Soldier Field rather than build a new field, for instance, next to Sox Park. We had plenty of parking, whatever. One with the dome that would make it usable year-round and provide uh, a lot of other potential financial things uh, that you can get out of it. Um, there's a lot of, uh, like they say in a good murder mystery, there's a lot of hands on the weapon. And is there a drop-dead date for when uh, you can really, truly say the Bears are going to Arlington Heights? I think if uh, the, the Bears president, Ted Phillips, now uh, uh, is working full-time on the Rockford Heights, uh, that's one of the other reasons that indicate that the, that the team isn't very interested in staying here. I think later this year when they announce whether they're going to close on the deal uh, and whether they take the kinds of steps spending a lot of money to uh, hire architects and designers and stuff like that, uh, I think that, that will be the, uh, the fatal pill. Thanks for joining us, Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business, talking about the uh, the what looks like the impending move of the Bears from Soldier Field to Arlington Heights. Coming up next, giving your body a new look with a high-tech shell. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. A powered exoskeleton, also known as a cybernetic suit or power armor, has applications for work, the military, and people dealing with injuries. Let's learn more from Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. This does sound like a case of tech making life particularly easier, especially if you are someone recovering from, say, knee replacement surgery. Exactly right. I have tested and tried out a lot of these uh, new technologies. Think of the exoskeleton, not like a, a robot replacement, but more like easing the work off of your joints and your muscles. Uh, one application was to help paraplegics walk. Um, but then one of the founders of that company, that was out of Exobionics, and, and the first time I saw that in action, I, you know, I couldn't help but cry. Like, that's just an amazing uh, bit of forward-thinking technology. But the problem was the pack that people had to wear that powers it was kind of heavy, and someone else had to work basically the remote control. So it took two people to make that that technology work. So one of the founders went into knees, robotic knees. And between the time when people start experiencing knee pain and then, you know, they can either get opioids or they can have full knee replacement surgery. So a company called Rome Robotics made that halfway point, that bionic knee, that exoskeleton knee that fits kind of like a brace around your knee and, and allows you to walk, to jog, to do all kinds of things that otherwise you couldn't do without a full knee replacement. And Jennifer Jolly, who is a Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com, based in San Francisco. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Ex Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke, now a free man today. President Biden discusses a U.S. raid in Syria that resulted in the death of the leader of ISIS. Russian hackers continue to pose a threat to multiple levels of world security. And in Technology Thursday, a new study finds that awareness about the workings of cryptocurrency can make you sexier. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 311 points. The NASDAQ is down 359. The S&P 500 is down 73. AccuWeather says winter weather advisor for Cook County until 6 o'clock tonight for uh, lingering snow flurries and maybe some lake effect snow. We have 19 degrees in Chicago with flurries at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, former Chicago police officer Jason Van Dyke out of prison today. He served less than four years of a nearly seven-year sentence for his conviction in the murder of Laquan McDonald. Demonstrations are planned for today and tomorrow in Chicago to protest the release. The NAACP is asking the Justice Department to file federal civil rights charges against Van Dyke. President Biden says the military raid focused on the head of ISIS is a signal to terrorists the U.S. will track them down. The mission to target the ISIS leader was months in the making. President Biden said he directed that every precaution possible be taken to minimize civilian casualties. We made a choice to pursue a special forces raid at a much greater risk than our, to our own people rather than targeting him with an airstrike. Mr. Biden says Abu Ibrahim al-Hashimi al-Qureshi chose a coward's way out, detonating a suicide bomb that also likely killed members of his family. The president says the ISIS leader was behind a recent attack on a prison in Syria, as well as the Yazidi genocide in Iraq. Stephen Portnoy, CBS News, Washington. It's 1232. As the noon business hour continues, markets are in the red. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager of Smart Portfolios based in San Diego, the website macrotides.com. Jim, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thank you very much, Meta, for derailing the stock market momentum we've had for the last couple of days. Why is it that Meta and their woes are, uh, are dragging down the market as a whole? Well, it was the initial shock, uh, Rob, given the the extent of the price drop in Meta. But there were two other pieces, really three other pieces of news this morning, Rob, that I think have also played a role. The Bank of England increased its policy rate from 25 bips to 50 bips. The ECB, kind of importantly, indicates that they will probably curb their bond buying uh, before the end of 22 and potentially uh, raise interest rates. Uh, and then lastly, you've seen a pretty sharp drop in the ISM services number. And, and so I think it was a combination of the initial shock with Meta and then these other data points, which are, in my opinion, actually more important than Meta, uh, caused some additional selling. Now, the uh, the interest rate increases at the Bank of England and also uh, in the European Central Bank, uh, it sounds like in a way that it just goes to show you that inflation is not just an American problem, it's a world problem. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you look at the issues that the EU and Britain have been facing, it's the same things we are. We have a, a, you know, worker shortage. Energy prices have gone up significantly. Uh, and, uh, you know, those two are big contributors to inflation. The EU inflation jumped to 5.1%, which is for them a very, very high number comparable to our 7%. So that's what's going on. The, centri- the tide of monetary accommodation has clearly shifted since last November. 
And I think that is the wake-up call for investors. And it's why in interviews uh, uh, with Cisco and maybe you back in December, I was looking for a 10 to 15% pullback in the S&P in the first quarter. And I'm not convinced, uh, Rob, that it's completed. Is is there some concern that uh, these interest rate hikes, not only here but elsewhere, uh, will derail the economic recovery, especially if uh, tomorrow's jobs report is underwhelming and, more importantly, if February's jobs report is underwhelming? You're 100% right. And basically, in the February macro tides that I sent out a couple of days ago, you know, here's the issue. We're going to see weak economic data coming out all through the month of February because of the impact of Omicron during the month of December, as well as obviously more intensely January. At the same time, the Fed is going to be raising rates in coming months. So it's kind of the, the worst of both world, words, worlds, pardon me, uh, and any idea that the Fed won't proceed with rate hikes, I think, is uh, is just not correct. So I think that is the news confronting investors and why I think potentially the correction uh, will potentially take the S&P back below 4,200 before it is done, uh, you know, before the end of the uh, first quarter. And basically, it sounds like you're trying to make a bet on whether or not the Fed can stick the landing in the midst of Omicron, which even though it's fading, you don't know if there's another variant behind it. You don't, but I think our, that risk is more uh, pushed back to like July, August, Rob, in the southern part of the U.S. when the temperatures really heat up and people are driven in stores for uh, air conditioning. So I think my take is and has been is that we were going to see a peak in Omicron crisis. They were going to collapse. And I think we're going to see the benefit of that as we get into March, April, and May. We're going to see a pretty good snapback in the U.S. economy. I do not believe we're headed toward a recession. Um, and I, I think, you know, that'll become more evident as we get into the second quarter. Thanks for joining us, Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, Smart Portfolios, based in San Diego. The website, macrotides.com. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, your dating life could improve if you have education in cryptocurrency. It's compounded your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The Noon Business Hour is a show that is about business, but more importantly, it is a show about life. And we often uh, talk about uh, financial issues, education, and every now and then we offer advice to the lovelorn. As Valentine's Day closes in, a survey finds about a third of people who are part of the dating scene are more likely to go out with someone who talks about having crypto assets in their profile. And here to help you is Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group based in New York and author of the new book, An Executive Guide to the World of Decentralized Finance. What is it about cryptocurrency, Shelley Palmer, that makes you such a catch? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at this survey from eToro and thinking to myself, I guess it makes sense because you have to be um, a little bit of a daredevil. You have to be a little crazy. You have to have a little bit of money. So I guess it's all the things that are, are, are interesting and exciting, right, that it sort of says all rolled into one. The crazy part in there, of course, is true, too. This is so new, it's hard to understand what the finer points of this are. But clearly, they've done some research, and 33% of Americans say they'd be more likely to go on a date with someone who mentioned crypto. Well, maybe it's a part of, like, 
while you're explaining cryptocurrency and blockchains and uh, how that whole thing works, you, you discover there's chemistry. Maybe that's how it works. Uh, I, maybe that is. Look, I have to say that, um, and I'm not in the dating scene in any way, but I have been to a few parties over the holiday season, and although they've been smaller and were more COVID careful than, than uh, maybe some other people have experienced, because of, of my knowledge of, of blockchain and cryptocurrency in the world of decentralized finance, uh, I gather a crowd, and people are really super interested. And it, I think what really this says more than anything is that everyone is trying to seek as much knowledge as possible. And if you say you have some of that knowledge, then you're someone people want to talk to. And that's always a you know good conversation starters are a good social salve, right? Okay, hey, you're lubricant, social lubricant. Here we go. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. But just from my own experience, that's armchair research. But look, this is such an exciting time in the world of DeFi and uh, the markets are volatile. As we all know, the stock market's going up and down, like now, like the crypto markets are going up and down and we're looking inflation, you know, right in the eyes and we're trying to figure out what's next. Uh, it's a super exciting time and a super scary time. So for those who mentioned crypto, apparently you're going to do a slightly better than the average bear. <laughs> in your dating profile. Good luck to you. And, you know, probably shouldn't mention it if you don't know about it because you might get called out. Maybe, uh, maybe just it just goes back to it always, it, it never hurts to be a well-rounded person and know a lot of things, it, to have a lot of knowledge about a lot of things and just being able to carry on a conversation. But this also leads to uh, the potential for a meet-cute. What if both parties were uh, into cryptocurrency and yet, you know, He's a Bitcoin guy. She's a Dogecoin girl. Can they find love? <laughs> Let's find out. Let's find out. That's the, you know what in our next episode. Yes, <laughs> we go. yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll we'll either help somebody find love or you and I will collaborate on a screenplay. Shelley Palmer, CEO of the Palmer Group, based in New York. Thanks for joining us. Author of the new book, an executive guide to the world of uh, decentralized finance. Uh, if, if if this approach works for you, let us know. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday, and still to come, trying to track the world of Russian hackers across the globe. The WBBM Noon Business Hour can. Continues. American cybersecurity experts are warning about the ongoing influence of Russian hackers, including the tension surrounding Ukraine. We're joined by Adam Levin, co-host of the podcast What the Hack with Adam Levin and author of the book Swiped, based in New York. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Uh, as the tensions continue to rise along the border between Russia and Ukraine, there is some belief that uh, Russian hackers could uh, use their skills to destabilize key areas of Ukraine's infrastructure prior to an invasion. What would that look like? Well, it would look like everything from bringing down communication systems, uh, creating havoc with government agencies, uh, making it impossible for telephones to work so that commanders might not be able to be communicating with their troops running disinformation campaigns. I don't know if you uh, saw today, but an article came out in the New York Times uh, where uh, Russia could be actually creating a fake uh, video that would be a pretext for their invasion. I don't know if you remember the movie Wag the Dog with Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman, where they made it look as if uh, the United States was at war with Albania. Uh, but in this situation, it would look as if uh, Ukrainian forces uh, uh, attacked 
uh, Russian citizens in, in other, outside of Ukraine uh, creating genocide and causing Russia to come in. So uh, these are all the different kinds of things they could do. We certainly know another thing they could do, which they have done. If you remember the solar winds attack, we were all looking, worrying about the election while they were uh, using a, a, a vulnerability they found on a particular platform used by thousands of companies where they use that as a way in by putting it in an update to software and then having that update be used by over 18,000 companies. And all of a sudden, they were in government agencies and companies all around the world that use this particular software. So, I mean, it could be very all-encompassing and very serious. And, Adam, very quickly, we're talking about Ukrainian assets here, but uh, is there a possibility that as the uh, tensions continue to rise between the U.S. and Russia that uh, there would be attacks on our infrastructure? Entirely possible. We know there have been attacks on our infrastructure with the the, uh, uh, water plant in Florida, which I don't think, I'm not necessarily sure that was Russian, and then the, the dam in upstate New York, which was Iranian. But no question that it could lead to uh, different cyber attacks and an issue that our our grid could be somewhat at risk, although I think Russia would be very careful before they try to mess in a serious way with the U.S. grid. Thanks for joining us. Adam Levin, co-host of the podcast What the Hack and author of the book Swiped, based in New York. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.